I have a lot of folks that are being scared off by their friends, neighbors, and coworkers because their friend, neighbor, or coworker had a bad experience. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a bad experience because they didn't know what the hell they were doing. That's the truth, right? Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Advised. I'm your host, Rick Lucchini. The mission of this podcast is to lift the veil on various financial topics by always being honest, objective, and unfiltered. I'm excited to have my first guest here. Her name is Jocelyn Wolf. Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Jocelyn is the co-founder and owner of Evolve Insurance Group right here in Central PA. Jocelyn specializes in all things Medicare, but don't let that scare off the younger crowd. We're going to go broad in some other topics, and uh, it should be helpful for everybody. So first off, Jocelyn, honestly, I just want to thank you for having the courage to be my first guest. Um, I made it very clear to you that I have no idea what I'm doing, that I'm self-producing this, and uh, when I explained the concept... You didn't hesitate, and you jumped right on it, so I I thank you for supporting the vision, and thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, let's get right into it. The first thing that I want to know, we were just talking about this off camera, is um, how does a 30-something female become the owner of a company focusing on all things Medicare? Probably like anyone who ends up in insurance, that wasn't like anyone's intention. Um, They didn't go out of college thinking, I'm going to work in insurance. But I was working for my family's company and we sold it. And I went and worked for the company that we sold it to. And it was a much bigger company and it was backed by private equity. So it was very different from a family-owned company. And if you don't mind, for the Central PA folks, do you want to mention what that company was? It was Wolf Furniture. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I was working out there and I was commuting like to Detroit every month. And I just thought like, this is not what I like. I don't like a super big corporate environment. I don't want to live in Detroit. Um, So I went back to the drawing board and started asking everyone like, what do you do? What do you like to do? And I was really looking at like tech sales because I had worked at an IT company um, prior to working for my family's company. And my dad actually suggested to talk to my cousin who was doing something with Medicare in South Florida and she's around my age. So I gave her a call and I was like, what exactly are you doing? And she (laughs) explained it. And I was not familiar with health insurance, insurance terms, anything with Medicare. And I went down to Florida and spent a couple of days with her. And I really was like, okay, I think I can do this. And I like it. I enjoy meeting with these people. I think that this is awesome that you can help someone and still get paid because that was something I was looking for where you were getting fulfillment both like financially and mentally from helping people. And I felt like a lot of jobs didn't give you that option. Um, So at the time, my dad's friend who owns Salem insurance here in Altoona um, had been looking at adding a Medicare component to his business because he owns a personal lines agency and people who were clients of theirs for home auto, everything would call and say, also do you, Hey, do you do Medicare? And really our paths lined up at the perfect time and we started Evolve, which is the sister company of Salim and we specialize in Medicare. So that's how I ended up and it is four years. So it was four years end of July. So let's go a little deeper there because that actually interests me. Uh, You go down to Florida, you find this niche 
you could have easily joined any insurance company and been a representative for them. Why did you decide to go the entrepreneurial route? Was it from your family, from coming from that and seeing it, or was it something else that was driving you to do that? Because it's a it's a big difference. Yeah. It's yeah. a big difference and it's a big commitment. I think going from working from a family owned company and having some type of like autonomy and ownership over what you do to a super corporate environment where I felt like I had to ask for time off down to like a half day um, and submit all these forms and do all these PowerPoints. I just realized that was not a good fit for me. Yeah. And I felt like sometimes it was counterproductive because I was doing so much busy work that I was missing actually doing meaningful work. So honestly, working for a carrier or another established company really didn't cross my mind. And then when Barry approached me and said, hey, do you want to start a business? I really just kind of thought I let, I want to do this. And I was so committed to working for myself um, because I had had that other experience. And also I love the idea that if I was working for myself, I could control everything. Um, and also I could really do whatever I felt was in the best interest for the client because yep. I didn't have someone, you know, with oversight or telling me what to do and how to do it. Yeah. And, and a lot of times they have different agendas yeah. Than you, I, I I came from a world like that, and anybody that knows me knows that I'm not a very good pet, <laughs> for lack of better words. So um, that it's a similar a similar path. Um, anybody, I guess young or old, but especially young or young females that are um, trying to find their way or in an industry that they like but don't necessarily like the big uh, thumb that's pushing on them. Any advice for them? Uh, if they're possibly considering going out on their own or starting their own business? I think especially around here, cause there's so many like small business owners, um, talking to people, even people who are not in the same space that you want to be in, who are doing their own thing or fellow entrepreneurs and hearing their stories, um, yeah. and meeting with everyone and taking a little bit of like insider advice from everyone. That was so helpful for me. And I have lots of friends who are in different industries from like construction, um, you know, financial services, like random things, but there's still stuff you're able to take away that I feel like is helpful. So I think like networking, and I also have found that people, especially around here, which is part of the reason why I moved back to Altoona and I never would have been able to do what I've done in this amount of time without being here is people are so helpful and, um, kind. So I felt like that was huge for me to get like this group of people who are willing to just give you help and didn't expect anything from it and just wanted to see another business owner succeed. Um, so I think like networking was super important and, you know, reaching out to anyone and everyone who you think like might be in your shoes or be able to offer you some advice or also put you in touch with someone else. Cause that's another thing is meeting with people who say like, Oh, I'm not really in this space or I don't know a lot about this, but Hey, my college roommate does. Absolutely. Um, you know, so there's a lot of like the networking component, I think was huge. Yeah. And, and what about, I know it was maybe a little bit of a unique situation, uh, where you guys fit really well, but what about the partnership? You don't have to go into specifics about it, but do, do you think that that, I think, I think a lot of people don't think that way. Um, if I'm going to go out on my own, I'm by myself and I have to start from zero. Um, do you think that partnership helped expedite to where you are today? For sure. Cause having someone with an established business and just having their support and guidance 
on how to start a business and what all entails like and also just to give you kind of like a pep talk when things are not going as quickly as you want them or the way you want them to be yeah i think is really important and i think i've been lucky to create a couple partnerships um from people who i've met and we just connected on a different way and that's another thing that's interesting is if you meet with someone and you feel like you're very aligned and there's maybe I hate to use like the corporate word, but like a synergy there where you're thinking, okay, like (laughs) how can we come together and help people be open to exploring that as opposed to just thinking you have to do it on your own Yep. because I have been able to create success those ways and they've opened other doors um, versus if I had just been like, no, it's my thing. I need to do it all by myself. And I think it's, I think it's interesting the way you did it because what you did was, excuse me, you took a, um, someone that owned, a similar business and then you guys did a spin-off sister business so it's not part of that but he has connections and clients in that world at least that can be advantageous to the sister business that, mm-hmm. that he now owns and I think a lot of people think that they don't think that way they don't think of a, approaching a business owner you might get a 50 nose but if you think hey um, I would be a good compliment. My business would be a good compliment to that instead of trying to compete with it. Mm-hmm. Um, take that person's advantages maybe and, and multiply them, but you don't always have to do it hundred percent on your own and partnerships don't always have to be two people that don't have a job either. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. it's interesting to look at that way. Um, but so you're the Medicare expert. That's what I'm calling you. So just deal with it. And uh, something that I like to ask people in all, the, I have a niche, is what do you routinely see people getting wrong in your industry? What do you just want to scream from the mountaintop because you just get frustrated that everybody keeps getting it wrong? I think this is especially relevant right now, like in today's Medicare climate, because even if you're not in that world, maybe your parents or your grandparents are, and you see how many phone calls they get, you see the TV advertisements that are constant, the mail that they get, and something that I think people get wrong or it's just overwhelming, and it's overwhelming because you don't know about health insurance. If you worked, you had your group plan. This isn't, and it's complicated. And you know, it's a government program, um, federal health insurance program. And there's a lot of rules and stuff. So I think what people get wrong is they listen to this mass marketing that is not sometimes like the most straightforward or honest, um, and or they listen to their friend or their neighbor who (laughs) might have very completely different experiences they might listen to their sister in another state so i think what i see people getting wrong is just blindly going off what is given to them and what is told to them and not seeking out okay like i don't need to understand this fully this is never going to be my wheelhouse but i need to have some type of grasp on it and i have options and i have a little bit more control than just what is being told or right. talked at me about. And, and in your industry, I know you have mentioned this before, um, not only is it um, maybe information with good intentions but bad context, but it there's also a, a lot of intentionally bad information out there or um, unethical sales practices 
um, things that are meant to maybe look like they're officially coming from the government fishing mm-hmm. type things. Um, you see a lot of that too, don't you? Yes. Yeah. And that is something that really does like grind my gears because when I started my company, I always wanted it to look separate and be clearly that I was not connected to Medicare. I don't work for Medicare. I don't use red, white, and blue in my logo colors. Right. Um, there's very clear like disclaimers that I'm not connected to Medicare, but when people or different marketing materials kind of present themselves as official um, and someone fills it out because they assume, oh, it looks official. It's saying Pennsylvania residents, you might be entitled to benefits. Yeah. You know, that you might not be. And then the next thing you know, you have someone showing up at your house. They think it's coming from the government. Yeah. And it's it's coming from a sales organization yeah. that's trying to solicit you. And yeah. that's what you're seeing a lot of. Yeah. And the phone calls, you know, um, we're sending out new Medicare cards. We need you to confirm your Medicare ID with us <laughs> over the phone. Um, you're late on payments, you know, we need you to make a payment for your Medicare Part B premium right now over the phone. How does somebody know the difference? Um, I always tell people like call Medicare and call social security. See how long you wait on hold. (laughs) They are not doing outbound (laughs) phone calls. Like they are not calling you. Um, they will not call you. Anything comes officially via mail unless maybe you've sent something in and you're waiting for a call (laughs) and be very reluctant as to like, you know, they're, they're usually in these marketing materials have a disclaimer. We are not connected or endorsed by the U S government, blah, blah, blah. This yeah. is consent for a licensed representative to reach out to you. So really go get through your magnifying like a glass out home. and try to find that. Yeah. First. yeah. And I always tell people if like, you're not <laughs> sure, um, or you're really just confused and you don't want to make a mistake. Talk to one of your kids, talk to a family friend. I have clients who text me pictures of mail that they get or they'll have sure. me listen to a phone call or they'll tell me what it says and I can quickly tell them, yes, that is something you need to take action on or no, that's not. Just go ahead and toss that in the garbage. Yeah, that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, I mean, I see parallels in my industry um, a lot of times. There is a there is a sales aspect to it. Um, you know, we don't sell anything in my practice, but but there's a lot of folks that look and talk like me. Maybe don't talk like me, but talk like I'm supposed to, anyways, in this industry. And um, it, their goal is to to sell you things. Now, some of them have good intentions, but they still have a huge conflict of interest. They're going to sales meetings not, um, financial planning meetings. Right. Um, and I say the same thing, just use common sense. I mean, if someone calls you out of the blue, right. Um, even if it's with, maybe you have an, uh, an old insurance company. I see this a lot. I have an old insurance policy that, you know, I've had for 30 years and now all of a sudden that company starts calling me a lot, not the big company, but like a local representative. They're likely trying to sell you something. And it's really a good um, tip off when they say things like, I just happen to be in your neighborhood next week. Can you meet between three and five? If they want to come to your house unsolicited by you, um, likely they're trying to sell you something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Girl Scout cookies are sold door to door, not, you know, high end financial advice. So Things like that where um, we're also seeing now because um, financial planning has really taken off is they're using that as a sales tactic. So I see a lot of folks calling 
things, financial plans, what and they really aren't much more sophisticated than an online calculator you could go do yourself. And what they're doing is they're using that to convince you to buy their product or service. And then there's no follow up with it. So here's this, you know, one page printout that clearly shows what I'm trying to sell is going to solve all of your problems. And as soon as you buy that thing, now I have to ignore you because my income is based on me going to try to find somebody else to do the same thing too. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a shame, but I think that with the amount of ed information that we have available to us now, um, I think people need to, to be aware of that, but also should start to be able to pick it out. Like you said, I mean, listen, Medicare is not calling you. You can't get a hold of them when you want to. Mm -hmm. They're not just proactively calling you, trying to help you out of the blue, right? And read the disclaimers on the things that get sent to you in the mail. And if you're not sure before you start inviting people into your home or giving them your social security number, ask somebody mm -hmm. that would know like a Jocelyn Wolf, right? So that that's really interesting. And uh, again, we see that on our side and not quite as, not quite as, as sneaky as yeah, you do, because, because when you, you guys are associated, well, not associated, but you have, um, you're dealing with a government agency, mm -hmm. right? And, and you're going after a more in it, like not in any type of like, but a more protected group of people. Yep. You know, yeah. as people age, especially if you don't have any, you're not familiar with Medicare and this is your first time in it. And as you age, you lose a little bit of confidence sometimes with making these big decisions. Sure. And there, I think people, there are some bad actors who go and exploit that. Yeah. And I think to your point, like in financial services in general, people in this day and age, I think there's been a shift. I'm not sure how things were done like 20, 30, 40 years ago, <laughs> but People want to be educated in service, yeah. not sold. So there's a big difference between educating someone and servicing them as your client and getting them as a client versus selling them something. Agreed. And that's yeah. kind well, of always been like my approach similar to yours. Yeah. And that's, that's the difference between customers and clients. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's a big distinction because um, having a client means to continue to serve them, not just 10 minutes after you sold mm -hmm. them something. And, and I know you guys do that, do that as well on an annual basis. And, um, but I don't, there are tons of people who example will say, I want to be in XYZ County. I don't even live there. Um, but I want to, I'm going to drop leads. I'm going to yeah. order mail, drop it in that County. I'll be there for a week and I'll cold call and I'll set appointments and, um, you know, I'll see what I can find. And then I might leave and you're sitting there, you know, and you're like, I don't even know who I bought that from. I didn't hear that anymore. I think that was very much a trend yeah. a couple years ago. And I'm not saying like that's the wrong way to do business. That's not the way I choose to it do is business. For th it is for something like that. There's nothing wrong with, with being in a sales organization. There's nothing wrong with selling and there sure as hell isn't anything wrong with making money for, for what you do and what you're an expert in. Um, but presenting yourself one way and then delivering something else is what I have a problem with. And it doesn't matter what industry it, it's in. And, and that's really what we're getting to the heart of is, 
Um, I have no problem with people that sell insurance. I think there's it, it's a necessity. I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is when you dress yourself up and advertise yourself as giving financial advice, but your end goal is to sell a life insurance policy, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's where it comes to just being transparent. There's no guesswork in what you do. Mm-hmm. There's no guesswork in what I do. And then when we have um, people going around pretending to be associated with the government and things like that, it's just, it's it's unfortunate, but it exists and, and we want people to be aware of it and um, just think twice before you let somebody in your house or, or sign something, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you said something else that I, I do want to go into a little bit. It, what was interesting is it wasn't just the salesman. It was the neighbor, the brother-in-law. Um, tell me a little bit about that. You know, people getting advice uh, from folks that maybe aren't qualified to give it and it either resulting in them making a bad decision or at least producing a ton of anxiety before they actually get informed correctly. Yeah. So I always like preface like health insurance is no different than any insurance product like car insurance, homeowners insurance, whatever. It's giving you peace of mind and everyone's level of peace of mind is different and everyone's priorities are different when they're buying insurance. Yeah. So it's nice to get feedback and input from like your family members and friends and whoever else they can say, oh, I like XYZ insurance carrier or whatever. I have a good experience with my insurance. But at the end of the day, you guys have different budgets. You have different medications. You have different health needs. You have different personal preferences. So what's good for one is not necessarily blindly good for the other. So when they come in sometimes and someone comes in and says, like, listen, I want this product. This is what my sister has. She's happy with it. And one, Medicare is state-specific and county-specific. So I can be like, great, your sister lives in California. We can't even get that product here. Um, But I think, you know, like I said, really saying what's the best fit for me and knowing my needs are very specific to me. Yeah. Well, it it comes down to um, context. I mean, inexperience, like you said. Uh, Obviously, I see that all the time. On, on various different topics, um, retirement, taxes, um, but uh, the the biggest glaring one is investing. I mean, the the people who give investing tips uh, is just endless, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at barbecues and and at work and whatever else. Uh, so. And everyone's goals are different. Everyone's situation is different. So well, it works for your... Yeah, well, here's the other thing. I mean, you. a lot of times they leave out one side or the other. So what I see a lot of actually is is the bad experience. So I have a lot of folks that are being scared off by their friends, neighbors, and coworkers because their friend, neighbor, or coworker had a bad experience. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a bad experience because they didn't know what the hell they were doing. Mm-hmm. That's the truth, right? I mean, I still have people regularly recalling 2008-2009 crash uh, as an excuse or reason why they are still, to this day, ultra-conservative. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with being conservative if it matches your 
objectives, but a lot of these people need to be more aggressive to meet their actual goals. They're not making enough money. Um, <laughs> since January of 2009, that was 15 years ago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it was bad for like 18 months though, not for 10 years. Since January of 2009, the S&P 500 is up over 500%. So let me repeat that again, up over 500% since January of 2009. And there are still people who are focused on the fact that their account went down 35% in nine or 10 months. And I understand that was horrifying and scary. And if you were in real estate, that's a whole different deal. I'm not trying to, to make it a small deal. But for the folks that were invested properly or actually stayed invested, within less than two years, they were back to even and have prospered significantly ever since. The guy that's given the advice to not trust the stock market and to, you know, buy bars of gold and put it in your basement, he was the guy that when the account went down 30%, sold everything at a loss, dug a hole in his backyard and buried it, and then tells everybody how much money he lost in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because he didn't do it. He didn't do it right, right? So it, it comes to context, and um, like you said, uh, different experiences too. I, I see often that um, people are getting investment advice or tax advice, and the person giving it has good intentions, but they're situation is completely different. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't apply. And oftentimes it leads the recipient of that information to make bad decisions or have a ton of anxiety mm-hmm. while they're trying to find the answer or the solution. Mm-hmm. And again, it just comes down to how much information we have available. And it's difficult because you have to sift through the crap. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I know I try to put stuff out. You have a great blog that you um, spell stuff out in regular, you know, just in regular talk all the time. And there's endless sources of good information. Look where the source is from Mm -hmm. Uh, out there, not just local stuff, but nationally. And so today we have this information at our fingertips And yeah, you have to sort through it a little bit to try to find a credible source, but you shouldn't be listening to your sister for your financial advice without then immediately fact checking Mm -hmm. it or seeing how it applies to your situation. Your sister might be the smartest person in the world, but if she doesn't know how those things apply to you, because you're in a completely different tax bracket or you're in whatever the Mm -hmm. situation is, um, you can make, it can lead to bad decisions. And the person giving the advice had all the best intentions in the world. This was my experience is what they should be saying. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you said, this is who helped me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they can help you, but go ask them. I trust them. Or this is the company that I use. I don't know if it's right for you. This is the thing that I did or invested in or bought. Um, don't know if that's right for you. Just throw that out there because when it is, when it comes across as definitive advice, mm-hmm. a lot of times people just follow it. Yeah. They don't know um, that 
they shouldn't be paying for that or they could have done it a different way or it doesn't apply to them. I think like, especially around here, and I say this, you know, to my clients, like in regards to whether they need financial services or they're looking for someone to help them with the Medicare, um, whether or not interview people the same way, same way you go to a doctor, Uh, you have options, you're the shopper, you're the consumer. So if you need help and you want to work with someone, we have a lot of great options who are local, who you can see, who you know where their office is, who are not, you know, a one and done. I don't even know where that person went. But also if you don't feel like they really understand you or it's a good fit or you guys just aren't connecting, you have options and it's not a bad thing. Um, So I really just try to like, if people sit down with me and maybe I'm not a good fit for them or they're looking for something else, that's fine. I'd rather encourage them to go find someone that they do really enjoy working with or find a financial advisor who they feel like is aligned for what they want. Or again, like I said, doctors, I hear a lot of times people will say that they are really unhappy with their doctor and they don't feel like their doctor is really listening to them or advocating them. And I'll tell them, Hey, listen, like there's more pool, you you are not committed to that person. If you're not happy, and they might be a great doctor and it just might not be the right fit personality wise, which is totally fine because yeah. you're the consumer. Yeah. Um, so you have a little bit more control and just kind of trying to empower people that they have the control and they are able to make those decisions. And it comes down to what's a good fit for them and what feels right. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I've always said that and pounded the table to interview people. I mean, I'm always saying it on the investing and financial planning side, but it's the same for everything. It blows my mind that uh, you're giving your life savings oftentimes to someone that you've had one meeting with and none with anybody else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, think about that, right? So, and it's the same thing, whether you're uh, buying a car or buying insurance or whatever it is, you have options. Um, you can do a lot of research online before you even go meet these people to weed it down. It, like that didn't exist 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I mean, I, I can tell you right now, I know what to expect before I walk in the door because I'm not doing business with anybody that I can't look up and snoop on mm-hmm. right now. I want what they say and do to match what they told me online, because of course anybody can put anything online. But I think when you're putting stuff on your website, it holds you a little bit more accountable to actually follow through with some of those things. So uh, yeah, just research folks. I mean, whether it's the company itself or whether it's um, the individual that you're meeting with, research them and uh, do more than one. Mm -hmm. Interview them, ask them questions. Know what questions to ask, I think is a big thing too. Ask them what their service model is. What do you do for me mm-hmm. after tomorrow? After I give you my money? After I buy that insurance policy? What do you do next? Yeah, I think that's huge. And also like, you know, are you around? Can I call you? Do I have to wait till a certain time of the year to call you? It's interesting like yeah. how many people think that they can only have access versus if you're a client. No, if you have a problem issue... That's right. You know, it's an ongoing relationship. It's not a one and done. Um, so I think just like empowering the individual to say you have options, you know, seek them out. And at the end of the day, do what feels right for you. What are um, some of the most common 
misinformation that that folks are getting that you see around here? Um, maybe they're getting it from their their brother or or something like that that is um, causing them to make poor decisions. Timing in regards to when to enroll in Medicare is huge um, because if you are enrolling in Medicare upon turning 65, that is going to be your health insurance. You don't have group coverage through your employer, your spouse. That is your route. Um, you know, you would go ahead and pick that up. But then also people who are still working and covered under a large group plan or their spouse's large group plan don't have to pick up Medicare. They might want to compare and contrast, okay, what does the group plan look like versus Medicare? Maybe the group plan is really expensive or has a really high deductible and that does not work well for me. So maybe I should consider Medicare. But I do find people will say, oh, no, you need to apply for Medicare. You need to apply for Medicare. You're going to have a late enrollment penalty. Yeah. Meanwhile, that person's still working and they went ahead and just applied for Medicare. And they're now not only having their health insurance deducted from their paycheck, they're paying a Medicare premium. And then they have two insurance when they really didn't need to right. need to. But they were so they were listening to someone who said, no, you have to. You're going to have a late enrollment penalty. And so now they're walking around paying Medicare premiums when they don't need to. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because that that coverage is only kicking in after their primary. Yeah. If right? It's a large group plan. Yeah. yeah. So I think also because like you want to first compare, you know, when when is Medicare going to be my insurance option? Right. Am I still working? Am I not still working? Okay, what's the size of my employer? That's another thing people get wrong, especially around here, because there are a lot of small employers, 20 or less, in the eyes of Medicare. Okay. If you are covered under a group plan 20 or less, you have to pick up Medicare. Medicare is your primary. You can stay on the group plan if the employer allows, or you can choose to go fully Medicare and pick up whatever type of Medicare insurance plan that coordinates, you know, that you want. Um, but I do have some people say, oh, I was covered under the group plan. And now they're dinged with this late enrollment penalty because Medicare says mm, that small group plan was not credible coverage. Meanwhile, they thought it was credible group coverage. Their employer might have thought it was credible group coverage. So I think just kind of knowing your scenario and if you need to ask someone or there's a lot of great information online. Yeah. But also just I get that a lot. I get phone calls saying. I need to pick up Medicare and I'll say, okay, great. How do you currently get your insurance? Oh, it's through an employer. Okay. Who do I work for? I work for Bayer. Um, okay. That's a huge company. Are yeah. you still working yet? Yeah. Do you have any issues with the coverage? Is it affordable? Do you like the network, the benefit, everything? Right. No, it's great. It cost me, you know, very like a little amount out of my paycheck. You don't have to do anything. You just know? save the monthly Medicare premiums. Yeah. And, and, and here's, you said something that, that I want to touch on, which is, l the information. I mean, the fact that, that, um, and, and I get it like, uh, uh, in other industries, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this too, taking somebody's advice and just running with it. But like, if you can't Google, do I need to sign up for Medicare while I'm still working and find a thousand articles that explain everything you just said, right? It exists. I think, though, and this is there's an interesting conversation, you know, about AI and AI replacing human yeah. um, jobs, which I do think there will be a component of that moving forward. But I again, people can find all the information and they want, but sometimes they just want to talk to someone else and get that confidence. They, they can say, I, oh, I agree. It. I yeah. agree. So what I'm saying, though, is, um, you know, Susie at the Christmas party already scared the hell out of me and told me that that if I don't sign up for Medicare, I'm going to get late enrollment penalty and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. 
why is the first thing that I do go and sign up for Medicare instead of going and, you know, yeah. Googling this and doing some research or reading a blog post or calling Evolve or some some something like that. I think that can be on the value of like human to human interaction yeah. and kind of placing yeah, they weight just take on talking it for, to a human. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's super interesting. And I, like I said, I see that crossover in my industry all the time. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so something that, I mean, I, I know you, you may not know the answer to this, but I'm curious what your perspective is, is, um, why isn't there, cause that, that's a simple mistake. Mm-hmm. Like that is something that you could ask two, maybe three questions and advise someone which direction to go. You do not need to do a full financial plan on someone to decide whether they should or should not enroll in Medicare at 65. Why isn't that simple task being done at the Medicare level? Why isn't there some gatekeeping information there that stops these people from signing up when they don't need it, when it's a redundant coverage and they're wasting premiums. I think, you know, even though the information may be out there and they may talk to Medicare, like I said, depending on the situation, you can be on hold for a while and it's not so easy. And depending on the representative, some are great. Some are a little bit harder to get like an, but they have to actually sign up. Yes. So there's, there's, there's an act of signing up. Yes. Why isn't, whether it is human intervention or automation, there's some questionnaire or checkbox that then, even if it doesn't stop you from doing it, educates you and says, hey, you just told us that you work for an employer that has more than 21 employees. Did you know? It's just a pop-up that they have to acknowledge. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I mean, during the application, that? it does ask, are you covered under group coverage? In the de- but it doesn't ask why. No, it'll ask the name of the employer and the dates that you were covered if your coverage has ended. Okay. Um, but it doesn't ask the size. And I don't know if also maybe that's something to do with like, you know, when you're on um, a government website and doing stuff with the government, sometimes it's a little bit more complicated. Yeah. And it's not where we're used to some of these other websites that are super user friendly and the interface is there and they're trying to like hedge you off and they're really thinking about like what you would think. I don't know necessarily if we see that on like government. Well, we don't, but I think the point is that we should and, and and we could Yeah, like something like that's an easy mistake to avoid just by a pop-up box that says before you move forward, did you know? Mm-hmm. And then they pause, read it, and say, oh, I either don't need this or, to be sure, I'm going to go gather some more information. But instead, they're led right through it, accept, sign up, pay premiums for, I mean, some people, you know, people are, are working a lot longer now. Mm-hmm. Um, life expectancy is longer. There's a whole big reason why their jobs are, are less labor intensive. A lot of people actually enjoy what they're doing. They're working to 67, mm-hmm. 70. Um, they could be paying those premiums for a long time yeah, for yeah. no good reason. Yeah. yeah. So that that's interesting. Um, so when we wrap up here, um, what's one key takeaway? And it could just be um, uh, a repeat of, of something that you already said. But what if you could give the listeners one thing to take away you really want them to know what would it be? Um, I think two things like give everything 
you know, a look with a real, with some real scrutiny. Don't just blindly listen to what is being told to you and realize you are being marketed at, um, and really like you're the consumer, you have control, you have options. So educate yourself. And also there are lots of people like me, um, you know, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I think I do a really good job for my clients. I care <laughs> yeah. a lot about them. Yeah, but um, you're also I, a resource. Uh, it's not just that you don't have to hire uh, somebody like Jocelyn to get value from her. She's a resource. She has a blog. She puts out yes. content. She's she's giving you information. There's a lot of people like her. It's not not unique to that. But, but that's uh, find those people because... Yeah. You know, I, there's tons of people who I have a quick conversation with and I answer question and they might never be a client because they have insurance through some union plan. That's really great for them. Um, but just, you know, like finding people who you connect with, who you like asking those questions and realizing that there's more resources out there available than you may think, um, who can just kind of give you that confidence when navigating what can be a really over complicated and overwhelming process. Right. Yep. So, um, there you go. I mean, that was episode one of advised. I, uh, I really honestly, truly appreciate you having the courage, uh, to do this. I appreciate you coming on, helping me kick off this project and, uh, we'll definitely be sure to have you back. Uh, Thanks for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit subscribe, and uh, the little bell, that will let you know when the new episodes come out. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Amazon, wherever you're listening, hit subscribe or um, add to library. We're going to try to put a few of these out a month, and um, just keep trying to add value. Thanks again. 